Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 5050 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, alongside me. I'm my co-host and friend, Mason. Say what's going on, everybody. What's up, everybody? We're back. Coming into uh, – we're, we're getting close to the end of our division previews, eh, Mikey? So oh, we're yeah, gonna be, uh We're, we're going to get these wrapped up here real soon, start moving on to some draft strategy videos. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. This is I'm, – I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, so we're finally reviewing their division. I'm going to do the best I can to stay completely impartial in it. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll have to get Mikey to do most of the Buffalo Bills talk, but we'll see. Hey, man, we'll see. Um, but you know what? Before we get into the AFC East, like May said, I think we got some news to talk about. And uh, I'll start with it. And the first guy that we haven't really mentioned yet in the podcast uh, is George Pickens. And it doesn't really seem like that big of a fancy player to cover. Um, but as the days roll on with camp, it's seemingly more that it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky at the helm at quarterback. Uh, that's what I've at least seen a lot on Twitter. Um Kenny Pickett, they're saying he's nowhere near ready for NFL. And they've seen Mason Rudolph play. So I think that the days go on and closer to the season, we'll see uh, that it's going to be um, Trubisky that gets the helm at quarterback. And there's been one guy this year in the camp that he's really loved throwing to, and that's been George Pickens. And just today alone, he's had a few touchdowns in camp just before we uh, record this episode. We've been looking it up. And it's a guy that obviously isn't on a lot of boards. Um, I think he's being drafted at the wide receiver 65. So he's going about 160 in most leagues. So that's pretty much undrafted territory. Um, but even for dynasty perspective, it's a guy you kind of keep your eyes on. Um, he's like, I don't really know how to describe him as a prospect mace. Um, I know you are more into college football. So how about you kind of describe, like kind of compare George Pickens to maybe a current or former NFL wide receiver. Yeah, I 
honestly, I kind of like thinking of him as a, a slightly smaller Mike Williams, kind of. Mm-hmm. He, he is still a big body, and he's a good jump ball guy. I think he's maybe a little more cleaner in his routes than a Mike Williams, um, but that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. And, yeah, I, I'm liking what we're hearing because they really – they've had um, – oh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Chase Claypool has mm-hmm. been kind of their big, big guy. I don't know that Chase Claypool is really that talented of a player, in all honesty. So I'm glad they kind of brought in a more high-talent big guy to go in there. Especially, I'm, I'm assuming Kenny Pickett will take over at some point this year. And it's important to have a big body guy like that for a young quarterback, just kind of a big target for him to use as a safety blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I was not super high on George Pickens coming in just because it's a busy team uh, with the wide receiver room, but he did slowly start to take over, like you said, throughout camp. So um, I'm just taking a look here. Player profile pro, player profiler has him compared to Jerry Judy. So mm-hmm. you take a look at him. He's got decent speed, 78th percentile speed score, not super bursty. He's very mediocre in terms of burst. So he can get speed going, which is kind of why I think he's going to be a, a more of a deep route guy because he's going to have time to pick that speed up and go up and make those jump ball catches. So I think we can kind of think rookie Chase Claypool in terms of some production that we could be looking at. Maybe not to that extent because that was obviously with a Ben Roethlisberger that was still able to chuck the football mm-hmm. at that time. Um, but I, I would like to think maybe – a nerfed version of rookie Clay, uh, Clay, uh, Chase. Ch- holy smokes. <laughs> can't talk today, lad. Chase Claypool, a nerfed rookie Chase Claypool is what I'm looking at for production in terms of George Pickens this season. Don't worry, Mace. I, I might, may or may not edit that out, but you know, that was a, that was a good Just moment of yours. <laughs> keep and it you know wrong. what? Speaking of which, since I butchered a game last week, might as well just talk about him now. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, um, <laughs> That's better than Pachicho, I would say. So that makes a little bit more sense to me. So I'll let you slide in the clay pool. But uh, this is a guy now that he all of a sudden in the last two weeks has kind of just blown up Twitter. Um, I look every day I am seeing something out of Chiefs camps. Just someone is praising him on this team. And you sort of look at the running back room there and none of the guys really jump off the board. I, I, I've i always believed in Clyde, but I – if it's not this year, it won't be ever. Um, w- when we did the AFC West preview, I, I mentioned the fact that he's never really had a full off season to really develop his game. It's always been recovering from something. Um, I, I just don't know if he's really has the size and the strength to really be an NFL running back. Um, but this guy may, and he's showcased his receiving skills in the past game and camp so far. Um, Mahomes has even said that he loves going to him. And every day you look and there's like Pacheco, uh, big run. I'm going to keep saying Pacheco, uh, big run or big play. And someone's highlighting him and someone's saying something about him. Andy Reid today called him a bigger, um, what's his name? Um, okay, I'm trying a blank now too. But there, there's been a lot of pro comps that have been talking about him. And it'll be really interesting to see closer to the draft that what he can do. And what they're saying about him is imagine Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but he can catch has burst and can break tackles. And they're saying that's what he is. And that's just sort of appealing to me as a guy that's going in like the last round and pretty much standard drafts. Um, but we'll just have to see. I mean, this is a guy going, like I just said, later drafts, don't take anything early on him.
but I could see him maybe going in the 11th, 12th round when we get closer to the season starts. Yeah. Um, so it's a guy for sure to monitor. And I think we don't really need to say that much about him. Uh, it's pretty yeah. early in camp. So he's fast. Over, yeah. Yeah. You, all you got to say, he's fast, he's big, and he's on the Chiefs offense, right? Yeah, exactly. The potential's there for, for those three reasons. Um, but yeah, I I have one last piece of news here. It's, it's a small one, but it does uh, kind of allow us to go into our divisional preview. So I, we might as well start with the Jets here because uh, the piece of news – uh, unfortunately, uh, we have heard that Mackay Becton could potentially be out for the year, um, the standout tackle for this team. So this will uh, put Connor McDermott into the starting right tackle slot now for the team. Uh, and I, I think this definitely does hurt the running game big time. And it's going to hurt, the, you know, it's going to hurt the whole offense because Zach Wilson I feel like he's going to need time to really produce at a polished level this season. And this could definitely impact that negatively. Uh, Zach Wilson is a guy I really, really like still. Even after that rocky rookie season, he did smooth things out at the end. After he came back from injury, he started to build up a rapport with Elijah Moore. So he still has a ton of potential in terms of fantasy impact. I don't think he's going to do much for you this year um, in, in redraft league. So Zach Wilson's kind of Maybe you throw a late round flyer on him as a backup quarterback in case he does hit a little earlier than expected. Um, the running back room, though, I think is definitely the most intriguing part of this offense. Obviously, they went out two years ago, drafted uh, the North Carolina product, Michael Carter. And then this past year, they go up second round, grab Brees Hall. And it's kind of interesting to me. It seems like they're trying to rebuild that North Carolina run game. Uh, that Michael Carter was a part of. If you remember, Michael Carter and Javante Williams were the one-two punch there in in both Carter and Williams' last few years. So I kind of get the feeling they're trying to recreate that a little bit with the Bryce Hall-Michael Carter combo. In terms of dynasty, I think Brees Hall is probably a top five running back for me. I love him as a prospect. Um, But as a redraft player, I'm not sky high on Brees Hall. I love the talent. I really do like the opportunity that he's going into, but I don't think he's going to go out there and rock it year one because Michael Carter is going to be heavily involved in this, uh, in this offense still. He's going to mm. nerf and limit the uh, pass catching upside of Brees Hall, which is going to hurt. That's what really creates upside with a running back. And Michael Carter is still the trusted back. He's played a full season in this offense and produced. So I think a lot of people are thinking Michael Carter's just done and this Brees Hall's backfield. And eventually, 100%, this will be a fully monopolized Brees Hall backfield exclusively. But that's not going to happen this year. I can see, at the start of the year, I could see a 50-50 split. Maybe 55-45 in in uh in hall's favor but this will be a committee between the two of them all season long maybe near the end of the year we start to see Brees hall pull away maybe pull up to a 60 40 split but that's really where i see it maxing out in the rookie year Brees hall is only 21 years old he didn't get first round draft capital um you look at really talented guys that have now broken out um jk dobbins somewhat has broken out but then deandre swift is a big one he didn't get that first round draft capital. And as talented as he was, because he didn't get that draft capital, it takes a little longer to break out because teams just aren't as willing to go all in on you this early in your career. So Brees Hall in Dynasty, get as much Brees Hall as you can. But in terms of redraft, 
I think at the absolute highest you can be looking at him is probably a mid mid fourth round pick at this point, just due to the lack of usage I think he's going to get. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, I think Elijah Moore is a guy that's very interesting. I think he's going to have a very high floor this year. There's not many pass, pass catching options. Um, obviously, rookie Garrett Wilson's coming in, who's an absolute stud. But we all know there, there's the anomalies like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. But aside from that, for the most part, no matter how talented you are as a wide receiver, your first year, for at least the first half of it, you're just not going to produce at a high level. Even last year, Elijah Moore didn't do anything. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't do much. All, all the guys that ended up having good rookie seasons still didn't do anything at the start. So I think that's kind of what you should be expecting out of Garrett Wilson. is a slower start. Maybe after their bye week, he starts doing a little more. But for the most part, we should see Elijah Moore getting a, uh, a large amount of the targets, a large percentile of the targets coming from Zach Wilson. Yeah, I'm glad you touched base on Elijah Moore and I might have to not like disagree with you, but I think he'll do a lot better than what people are saying. Um, I know you said that he didn't really do much at the beginning, but he only really started in six games. Um, and he only really had 70, he's 75 targets. And he still finished the year with over 500 yards, five touchdowns. So in a six game season, starting season in a starting role, he still had uh, over 500 yards and five touchdowns on a pretty less than mediocre offense. And I think Zach Wilson hopefully improves this year. And, where he's being drafted, I think it's pretty appealing. Um, let me just see where he's being drafted at Elijah Moore in the most leagues. Yeah, so he's being drafted at the um, wide receiver 32. So that's with guys like Adam Thielen, uh, Juju, Gabriel Davis. So out of all those guys, he for sure has the most upside there. I I personally would go with Juju over him still. Um, Cause I still think Juju is going to be the wide receiver one there. But as far as Elijah Moore goes in that area, I, I kind of would just take him because off, off ceiling alone. Um, it's like your wide receiver three, possibly in that range, like, or four, even if you go uh, zero RB, that's a pretty good player to get in that range. And I agree with you, Garrett Wilson. He's, he's a beast and coming out of college, same thing, but we know rookie receivers, there's not much ceiling there. Uh, Corey Davis is still there. And we know that he loves Braxton Berrios too. So it's kind of like all over the charts here as far as the receiver room, room goes. Um, and as far as the tight end room goes, um, we thought it would be CJ Uzuma, but now supposedly Conklin's like getting all the receiving work and Uzuma's going to be a basically blocking tight end. Uh, that came out today. So as far as that goes, personally, I wouldn't go anywhere near the Jets tight end room anyways. Um, and I would agree with you. I really love Michael Carter and I I started him his last week in his huge game he had actually against you, if you remember that, uh, when he had 25 points or something crazy like that. And he he did show flashes of potential, and I think he just kind of kept getting these weird injuries. Uh, there was like a weird foot one, uh, and then he got sidelined towards the end of the year. He had a finger injury too, I believe. Um, so it's just stuff like that, and I, I would really like to see these two guys together healthy for a full year. I think that totally differs this offense this year. Um, but just to drop something that came out today, um, Zach Wilson got sacked eight times today in practice. And that's by an average Jets D-line, like middle of the pack. I think they were the 19th ranked upcoming this year for uh, rankings on D-line. So eight times in an hour and a half practice is not a good sign. Um, obviously, it's just one day, but we'll have to see really. But personally... As far as Zach Wilson goes, I probably wouldn't draft him or take him. 
Uh, the guys that I'm looking at in this offense are Brees Hall, obviously, uh, Elijah Moore, and maybe Michael Carter has a nice handicap down the uh, down the board. But besides that, I still think they're going to be a below uh, 500 team this year for sure, especially in this division that I think is pretty competitive. And uh, we'll get to the standings later, but I think that covers the Jets pretty well, Mace. Um, how about we move to uh, the Miami Dolphins? What do you say? Do you want to start with that? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I. This is a weird team, man. This, especially this running back room, it is loaded with depth and really no superstar. And I actually, I, I've been going back and forth on who I think is going to be the running back to draft here. Is it going to be Mostert? Is, is Michelle going to take some carries? Is Gaskins going to kind of end up taking over just because he knows the offense? It's going to be Edmonds. And ultimately, I have come to the conclusion that I think Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy in this offense. I think we see a little bit of a split between him and uh, Mostert early on. But as we all know, Mostert's not playing more than the first four games tops due to uh, an injury that will most definitely come up. So Chase Edmonds, the guy that I'm taking, if I'm taking anyone in this backfield, they paid him a lot better than I thought. They're paying the guy $6 million a year. So this is a guy that they think can come in and have a genuine impact on their offense. And I agree. He's a great pass catcher. He's really good at running up the middle for how slender he is. Um, So I think he's kind of what they had wanted Miles Gaskin to be the last few years. He's just a much more talented version. So Chase Edmonds is the one guy I would grab out of this backfield. Mostert, I don't mind as a late round flyer because when he is healthy, he always seems to be worth a flex play. Even if he is splitting time with Chase Edmonds, he just has such home run ability. There's a good chance he's ripping off a long run. So Mostert's fine to grab late round, very late, um, just due to the upside that he does have when he is, in fact, playing. Um, Tua, I, I do have concerns in regards to Tua. I've always had concerns about Tua ever since he was a prospect. I just don't believe he can consistently throw the deep ball. And unfortunately, I do think that hurts uh, Waddle and Tyreek Hill a lot. We saw Waddle last year. Waddle averaged nine yards per reception last season. That is extraordinarily low. And that is 100% um, a product of Tua's inability to throw the deep ball. So you think if Waddle's in that role, you can't have Waddle and Tyreek Hill running those real short slants, those those drags. It's going to have to be one or the other, which that means whichever one they do decide on, and I personally think it's probably going to be Waddle getting most of those slot looks. I think that really hurts Tyreek Hill. I don't think Tua can consistently hit the deep throws or even the medium throws enough to make both of these wide receivers relevant. Right now, again, I'm leaning that Waddle will stay in the same role as he was last year. But if if it is different and Tyreek plays more of that short route role and they just try to bomb it deep to Waddle, then I think Waddle's going to be in trouble. So this is a wide receiver room that I don't know how they're going to use it. I think one of them will be a great value, Waddle or Tyreek, and one of them is going to be a complete bust. It's really going to be whichever one they try to make more of the deep threat, I think is really going to suffer this season. And to me is going to go down as, as a big bust. And right now I am leaning towards Tyreek. Who knows? Maybe they mix it up and they go 50 slot, 50% deep. I don't know what they're going to do. If they do that, then both these guys are going to have very underwhelming seasons. But either way, the only role that I see any success with on this offense in the passing game is in the slot or running those really short routes. So 
I'm really concerned about Tyreek and Waddle. Right now, where those two are going, I just don't feel comfortable grabbing them. Um, Gesicki is a guy that's falling real late, but I'm just, I'm not high on him. I think we've seen the best of Gesicki. I think he's hit his ceiling, and there's just a lot of tight ends with upside that I like more. The uh, the Irv Smiths, um, the, the Cole Komets, the Albert O's, even those kind of guys. I would rather take the flyer on them than what we know Mike Gesicki is, which is just a tight end limited by a quarterback with an underwhelming skill set that ultimately will not score a lot because they have Waddle and Tyreek Hill to, to monopolize that. So I think Gesicki's a guy that maybe you grab him late as kind of the boring plug and play tight end, but he's definitely not an upside play. Yeah. And, and you know what, it, it might pain me to say this and we'll see when the season goes on, but I actually might believe in two of this year. Um, from what I've been hearing, it seems like he's really improved his throw mechanics and that's seriously helped him in the deep ball game. And every day I open Twitter, every day I see a deep ball to either Waddle or Tyree Kill. Um, and you can't really say that these guys are going against nobodies because in my opinion, Dolphins have a very slept on secondary. Uh, that Javon Hall and they've Xavier Howard, they've guys like that who are actually pretty solid players. So you can't really say that it's just a, oh, uh, it's it's the defense that's not good. It's Miami's having good defense. But that's not true. And it, it seems like he's really kind of taken that next leap forward. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 10 fancy quarterback, but if he can just be moderately average, he can support these two guys because their talent speaks alone. And we know Tyreek can just turn a 20-yard pass into 80-yard touchdown. So that's going to happen. And I think Waddle is about to take that next step too. We saw him last year, uber talented as well. And I believe in both of them. I don't think I would take Tyreek at his ADP though. I would agree with you there. Um, I still think he's being drafted slightly high. He's at the 21 spot, wide receiver eight. Um, there's guys there that I would still take over him. Uh, like Fantasy Pros has Mike Evans below him, AJ Brown below him, Keen Allen below him. These are three guys that I'd probably still take over Tyree Kill. Um, but if it came down to T. Higgins or Tyree Kill, I'm gonna take Tyree Kill, obviously. But I, I sort of do this is to his last year to really prove himself. And I think that's why this summer was so important for his development. And it seems like he's really come back. So I'm not saying to draft two in every one of your leagues and him to be your QB one, but I wouldn't be worried per se to draft Tyreek or Waddle. I think they're both elite receivers. Waddle will be one. Tyreek is already is one, we know. And we'll just have to see. And I, I really do think that Tua will take that next step this year. As far as the running back room goes, I 100% agree with you. Chase Edmonds is the most talented running back in the room. Um, Mostert has flashes of talent, but let's be real. Has he started a full season in five years? I don't really think so. Um, Sony Michelle, he'll, he will get his touches. And Miles Gaskins guy just never really knew why he didn't work out. <laughs> I, I think that he was a guy that had flashes of talent too last year. And it just seems like the coaching staff hates him. Um, something's got to be going around there, but I do like Chase Edmonds. I thought he was great in Arizona and never really got that um, workhorse kind of back system to him. And I think that with all this space being opened by Waddle and Tyree Kill, this will give Edmonds so much room in the flats, so much room. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chase Edmonds this year. 
I, I think that he can really step up his game and where he's going at the RB 34 pick 85. That's like end of seven, mid eight in that range. Um, he's a guy that like, I would, I want to take in every one of my drafts. So we'll have to see with Chase Edmonds. I think that he could be a guy that really exceeds his ADP and becomes a player that really kind of transcends where he's being drafted at. Um, tight end room. I would totally agree with you. I'm taking Cole Komet and Albert O and Irv Smith ceiling over Mike Kosicki's floor. And we know what he's going to do. And there's just so many guys there and it just doesn't really appeal to me. So as far as the dolphins go, I think that's pretty good. Mace. Um, yeah. Let's save, let's save the best for last though. Let's go yeah, to the Patriots next. Let's go to yeah, the Patriots next. Uh, I was going to say, I want to go because Chase Edmonds is one of my favorite running back values this year. I want to yeah. go into my number one running back fade this year. And mm-hmm. that is Mr. Damian Harris. Mm. Um, I think the, where he is going is just ridiculous. Absolutely nuts. James Conner level. Working, I, you know, I, I like James Conner more than Damian wow. Harris for their ADP. That's how much I dislike Damian Harris. I, I heard a stat last week that honestly blew my mind. I knew Donta Foreman was solid last year. But did you know that Donta Foreman had more fantasy points than Damian Harris through yardage last year? If you take get rid of the touchdowns, Donta Foreman had more fantasy points than Damian Harris. Crazy. And if Damian Harris put up a if he put up a repeatable touchdown amount, a, a repeatable touchdown number, then that would be an irrelevant stat. But Damian Harris had 15 touchdowns last season, and that is simply not going to happen again this year. Obviously, the Patriots aren't huge on him because they went out and drafted Ramondre last year, and then they drafted Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris this season. So I don't think the Patriots really like him. I think it was just he happened to be the only veteran in that running group last year. Everyone else was hurt or really young. Um, JJ Taylor was hurt. James White was hurt. Ramondre Stevenson was a rookie. We know Belichick doesn't like rookies. So I think we're going to see Ramondre take over this year. I have Ramondre healthily above Damian Harris in my running back rankings because I don't see a situation where he does not take over, especially considering James White is looking like he's a likely candidate for being cut with, with all this new depth they brought in. And Ramondre Stevenson for a big boy can catch the ball. So this guy... I don't think he's going to be a three-down back because I just don't think that's Belichick's style. But with James White gone, it is at least in the realm of possibilities that Ramondre takes over and is the true three-down back. Um, Damian Harris is a guy you should not be touching whatsoever until the double-digit rounds. I'll go that far with it. I think he he ends this year below running back 45. That would That would be my prediction. I think there's a better chance that Pierre Strong puts up a good season that Damian Harris. I think he's going to be one of those guys that went out, had one ridiculous season with the Patriots, scored an uncanny amount of touchdowns, and we never hear from him again. That's that's what I'm thinking Damian Harris is. Uh, but Ramondre Stevenson, big boy, bruiser back with hands, really like him this year. Mac Jones, I just don't see much upside with him right now for fantasy purposes. I think he's looking like a real solid young quarterback prospect for for NFL uh, football. But in terms of fantasy right now, he just simply doesn't have the passing weapons um, at his disposal to put up a QB1 season, a top 12 quarterback season. Right now, 
Devontae Parker is probably the best wide receiver they've got. Jacoby Myers has shown that he's a, a decent little route runner, but really has no explosiveness. So you look at this passing game, Tyquan Thornton is really the only kind of burst that they've mm-hmm. got. And I just don't see him being polished enough, enough yet to do anything for at least one or two seasons. So I think we're going to see Mac Jones be very similar to last year. He'll be consistent. He'll be a fine guy to throw in when your quarterback's on bye. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to put up at least 15 fantasy points probably, but I just don't see him having the ceiling of even having one 30 point game this year. Um, and kind of going into that a little further, uh, as, as you could tell, I'm really not big on this wide receiver room at all. And there's not a single guy on this roster that I would spend a draft pick on in terms of wide receivers. Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit of a, garbage shoot like there's so many guys there uh, but I'm glad you mentioned Tyquan Thornton because I actually do sort of like him um, I know it's just camp but it's it seems that he's been pretty solid and he's been max like number one deep guy um, the issue is how many times is Bill Belichick gonna let Mac Jones go deep that's the question I, I, I don't think you ask talent wise on this team it's sort of more like what's Bill going to do? Is Bill going to let Mac air it out? Um, we all remember the Bills New England matchup when it seemed like every play was a run in, and I'm pretty sure every play was a run, the most boring football game of all time. And that just sort of hurts the fantasy implication of all these receivers. And that's sort of why I agree with you on not drafting any of them. Uh, I think I really like Jacoby Myers. I know you know I do, but I just think I agree with you. He's just not an explosive player. He's a great route runner, good hands, but not explosive at all. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, I wouldn't roster. But Tyquan Thornton for a rookie has been very interesting in camp. Uh, So it's a guy to watch more in Dynasty, I'd say, because it seems like he could be that long-term option uh, for Mac Jones. And as far as Damian Harris goes, Mason, you know what I feel about him too. Uh, He's just – he had a 115 touchdown year, and that's what it'll be defined as his his all-time fantasy season. Um, he'll never even remotely get close to that again. In my opinion, it's not even close to the talent level between him and Ramondre Stevenson. So it's just a matter of time. I agree with you though. Ramondre should be drafted way ahead of Damian Harris, even though he's not being on most ADP uh, platforms, which is crazy to me because Ramondre is just the more talented runner. And now we're hearing that he's developed a passing game, a receiving game, sorry. And you just hear that and you're like, you just want to draft him. But besides that, this is a very boring offensive team. And we want to save time for Mason's team, the Buffalo Bills. So go ahead. I want to hear your opinions on these guys, Mace. Yeah. I mean, if we start from the top. Josh Allen, clear as day. QB1. He's, he's QB1. He's the only quarterback you should be considering in in the early third, mm-hmm. late second. No other quarterback in my opinion, maybe you take Herbert in the third round at some point. So maybe those two guys, but yeah. top of the third round, the only guy that you would consider if he's there is Josh Allen. Um, the running game to me is very interesting. Devin Singletary had a hot end to last year. I just don't see that being sustainable. Ultimately, this is a pass first team. And they just brought in James Cook, who 
catches the ball a whole lot better than Devin Singletary. He's an, he's an elite pass catching back. So it just makes more sense to have James Cook on the field. It helps the play action. It gives you another good receiver out of the backfield for some swing passes and dump offs for Allen. So I think at the end of the year, we look at the carries and Devin Singletary gets way more carries than James Cook this year. But when you look at the snap percentages, we're going to see James Cook getting over 50% of the snaps by the end by the end of the season. Zach Moss is completely done. He's just a third string thug back that's going to kind of just go in and hit some guys every once in a while. But James Cook is the running back to watch in this backfield just because the upside and, and really a, a safe floor that is provided by his pass catching ability. I think when we see James Cook kind of hit his ceiling in a couple years we're going to be looking at rookie alvin Kamara kind of production so right now if if you're wondering kind of what he's going to be this year i i think you'd look at alvin Kamara's rookie year and kind of uh, decrease the workload on that and that's what we're going to see just because james cook there's a lot more weapons in this offense than that norlean saints offense had when Kamara was a rookie um, and Cook just ultimately isn't as talented as a runner obviously as Kamara but in the past game he can do the exact same damage so James Cook is a guy to grab I think he's going to be a solid flex play all season long um, in the passing game Stefan Diggs locked and loaded probably one of the safest wide receivers you can look at in the early in the early rounds so I don't really need to go over that everybody knows how awesome Diggs is everyone knows what he's going to do where it gets interesting for me is Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Khalil Shakir. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, Gabe Davis is the clear number two. And I think he's going to go into the season with that status. And I'm not massive on Gabe because we really have not seen a wide receiver to do much in Buffalo. Um, I think his massive playoff game is dramatically inflating his ADP right now and that's something that we do need to be wary of if you look at his season stats Gabe Davis really didn't produce much last year and if you look historically with Josh Allen as the quarterback of this team he has never really supported a top tier wide receiver two so I think there's a little too much hype on Gabe Davis not that I don't love him as a player I just think the wide receiver two is not going to produce the same level that people are thinking. Um, and then the McKenzie Khalil Shakir kind of competition right now for that slot role. That's interesting to me uh, right now. They have McKenzie there as the slot receiver. He's listed as the wide receiver one is in the slot. I don't think it's going to stay that way. He's too small. He's five foot seven, 170 pounds. Um, ultimately you want a little bit more size there. I know it's the slot and it's fine to be small, but Khalil Shakir is just a better player than Isaiah McKenzie. Obviously not the athlete because Isaiah McKenzie is a freak athletically, but Khalil Shakir at some point this season will take over as the main slot guy. And that is actually a role that I would personally be more intrigued by than the wide receiver too. I would rather have the main slot guy in this offense than the number two wideout. We saw Cole Beasley put up some really solid numbers in this mm-hmm. offense, the slot guy. So for me, Stefan Diggs is what Stefan Diggs is. He's elite and he's going to be elite. Gabe Davis needs to be faded a little bit. And then we need to look a little bit more into these slot guys, the Isaiah McKenzie's and the Khalil Shakir's because ultimately whoever wins that job will have fantasy implications this season. I'm really glad you mentioned the slot aspect because I was going to talk about that too, but also the Gabe Davis thing. I just think his his ADP is way too high, man. 
He's being drafted with Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, Chase Edmonds, Devontae Smith, even Miles Sanders, which uh, actually never mind. Miles Sanders isn't that great, but uh, Gabe Davis at that area is like, I get it, but those guys that are still there below him, I would still so much rather take. And you're right, though. Like, he's never really supported a second wideout. It's always been the main guy and then the slot. So I really think that I wouldn't say fade Gabe Davis, but at wide receiver 30, would I take him? I don't think so. I think he's more to the middle end of the 30s. Um, I would more put him up with maybe guys like um, Rashad Bateman. I would put him in that area. So I'd fade him a little bit. Um, but at 70 pick 72 with Michael Thomas, like you gotta be kidding me. Like it's not even remotely the same thing. Um, but we'll see. Like I want like prove me wrong because I would like to have Josh Allen this year. And you know, that's just a second receiver to throw to. And then, like you said, Isaiah McKenzie, he's really, really been talked about a lot. Uh, he's been probably the most talked about player coming out of the Bills camp this year, easily. Um, you know, they just said that he just does all the right things and that he's always open, it seems. So to have that for Josh Allen now across the middle in the shorts, it's just going to help him even more. Uh, it's going to open more room for him to run. And having those three guys is crazy. Um, Dawson Knox, I don't think he'll ever repeat last year's touchdowns. Um, we'll see, but I, I wouldn't really take him where he's being drafted either. And as far as the running back room goes, I'd agree. It's going to be a pass for his offense all the way. Um, but James Cook does offer more fancy upside than Devin Singletary. So I would totally agree with you there. Um, but, you know, it, it's sort of a straightforward team. Like you said, like Diggs is Diggs. We know what Diggs is going to do. Um, he's going to be a top 10 fancy wide receiver easily. And I think he can maybe even um, hit that top five this year. It seemed last year like there were times where they really, you know, shined together him and Josh Allen but it didn't really seem like they clicked all the time. And if they do click this year, um, we could easily see a top five fantasy wide receiver. So as far as Steph Diggs go, he's an easy pick. That's safe. Gabe Davis, not necessarily fade, but not at his ADP. Um, Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, we'll just have to see his camp rolls on, uh, but in deeper drafts, for sure, he's an interesting guy to take. Um, but Mace, I think, that's pretty good. I think that covers the AFC East pretty well. All um, right. Quick little division standings rundown for me personally. Pretty easy. Um, Bills, New England, Dolphins, uh, and then the Jets for me. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. I've got obviously Buffalo one, but I've actually got Miami at two. I just think they've got a better defense this year than New England, in my opinion. So I think that's where the difference is. And obviously slightly more well, not slightly, much more explosive weapons on the mm-hmm. offensive side. Um, but Bill Belichick is an X factor. So it is yeah. right there. It just keeps it close. But I, I do lean Miami is the number two, New England three, and then obviously the Jets number four, especially with that Beckton news. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to episode six of 5050 Fantasy. I hope you guys all have a great day. Thank you so much. Peace out.